Good morning. Good morning. How many Rams fans do we have in the house? What's the other team that is playing? Uh, is it Cleveland? Is the other team? How many Cleveland fans do we have in the house? How many Cowboy fans do we have in the house? How many of you could care less? There you go. I just want to say thank you. Uh, for you that were part of the Valentine's slash Love Our Community event, uh, man, many of you were at that event. Uh, that's for you that were not. Uh, our church family uh, has an event, usually around that Valentine's weekend, and uh, it, it helps with our SALT ministry, the ministry that uh, we are able to serve our community in for people that are less needy or, or, or have uh, less needy, or, or, or very, have some very specific needs, and, and that fuels that. Pastor Kevin tells us, we don't have the exact count, but around $13,000 came in. Uh, to help us with those uh, folks over this next year that have special needs in our community that we can financially help in some way. And every Thursday, we have a team of people. Uh, that's kind of our day in the greater Longview area. But we do other things outside of just Thursday. But Thursday's a big day for us. And uh, there are several of those folks in our church that are a part of, of serving. How many of you received a devotional guide in the mail this week? Can I see your hands? How many of you haven't checked your mailbox in the last couple of days? Can I see your hands? Okay. Well, hopefully you'll be receiving a devotional guide that's kicking off our Ford campaign. You'll hear more about that later. But when you do receive that, we would love for you to go through that devotional guide with us each day uh, as the correct date that has on it. If you'll follow along and, and have those devotionals, it'll be really great. Uh, jo Josiah, great job singing today. All of you, great job singing, but I haven't heard Josiah sing before. Do y'all want to hear Josiah sing again? Or, or Okay, I, I don't know. I didn't know y'all want to fire him or what, but man, I don't know whether you realize it, but we have some of the greatest musicians here. Just so thankful. The bass player is not bad. The drummer, hit or miss, but anyway, uh, you know, but seriously, we have some great, great musicians and I'm so thankful for them and uh, appreciate them. After you get to go to lunch, they're up here tearing things down and working, and we're just very, very, very thankful for them. Well, I'm going to invite you to turn with me today to the book of Proverbs. Uh, I, I know that's a little uh, unusual a place for you, but uh, if you'll head over there to Proverbs, and just uh, we're going to be in the, in, the, in the tenth chapter, Proverbs ch uh, chapter 10, and uh, as you uh, kind of get to that chapter, let me just reinforce kind of what we've been doing is uh, over these last several weeks and, and for the next couple of weeks we're going to be talking a little bit more uh, as we go along about our faith uh, you know you hear a lot of people talk about being a Christian what is that how do you know if you really are a Christian is that like the folks today that joined the church are they are they Christian now uh, because they are members of Oakland Heights Baptist Church and of course we know that's not the case we know to be a believer, a real Christian, if you will, you have to have a connection scripturally. The Bible tells us how to do that. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to kind of guess or maybe this or maybe that. The Bible is very explicit. It says, when you come to the Lord Jesus by faith, and that tells us a little something that is not anything you and I are going to be able to do to earn it. In fact, we're not even going to deserve it. But when we come to him by faith, confessing our sins and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to be saved. But we've got to do something. We've got to initiate a call on 
the Lord. Lord, we call upon you to save us. You sent your son. And when you do that, and there's a heart repentance to him, the Bible says that that is concreted in. It is solidified. It's stronger than wood glue and a bunch of clamps. It is, boom, it happens. But we know that that's not where it ends. Certain things begin to unfold. Now, some people come to know the Lord Jesus at 86 and some at six. And we know that has something to do, environment has something to do with what happens next. But there are some things as we go on and mature in Christ that help us be measuring stick, sticks so we know, hey, that should be happening. Uh, we have a family in our church that is uh, a little worried about one of their children uh, kind of being late going through adolescenthood. And they keep saying, you know, they're at this age and this ought to be happening. And I keep explaining to them, hey, those things don't happen. They're by exactly the same age or certain things that happen. And in the Christian life, that's the case as well. There's many people that we see later in life to say, wow, we never thought they'd be a devoted follower of Christ. Man, whoo, that's a miracle that they went from there to there. And there are others that we look at and say, wow. As a young man or a young lady, it's like, man, they're going, to be, they're going to be incredible kingdom saints. I mean, look at them at age 11. Look at them at age 13. Look at them at age 18. Look at them at young married. I mean, they're amazing. And, and, and so everybody kind of falls in different categories. But what we do know is the Bible tells us there'll be certain attributes that we call fruit. And so one of the measuring sticks for us to know if your faith is real is there will be transformation. And today I wanna to talk to you about one word that changes everything in the Christian life. One word that is a life changer. And that word is integrity. I want us to read about it, now listen to me, out of what we call in the Bible an axiomatic, axiomatic wisdom statement. Axiomatic wisdom statement. There are certain statements in our Old Testament that come out of what we call wisdom literature that are time-tested. And today, I want us to look at that one word, integrity. Read the verse with me. We're gonna project it, and I'm gonna let you practice part of the verse. That's, that's right. Audience participation. You say out loud, okay? But let's read the verse together. Here's what Proverbs 10, 9 says. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Now let's do this together, all together. I know this is taking a risk. This is a big challenge, especially in this group. But if you could, we're gonna to try to say it all together. The first part of the verse, just what we call 10-9-A. Just the first line up there, all right? You ready? Whoever walks integrity walks securely. Now that was 25% good, all right? Some of you were a little scared to venture out. Some of you only used half voice. Some of you mime. I saw that, okay? Let's practice again. On three, one, two, three. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Now that was three quarters. You did pretty well on that. Now let's just let it all hang out there, all right? All right, here we go, ready? Whoever walks in integrity Y'all are the best. And today I want to talk to you about integrity. And you may not think 
I don't know what your expectations are, but what you and I are going to talk about today is very important. It is significant. It's particularly important to me, when we get to the end of the message today, you'll know a little bit more why it's so important to me. But there is this principle in the Bible that when we come to know the Lord Jesus, part of what begins to happen as fruit in our lives, you and I begin to start demonstrating something called integrity. And by the way, if you're here today and you say, I, I'm a believer, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, and you've not had radical changes in your life, I would really challenge you to go back. I mean, that would not be the norm. There ought to be certain things that begin to happen in your life because there's a worker in you. This Holy Spirit is in you now, concreted in. He's there. Our God, you, your relationship. Well, but, 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 but pastor, I sin and I do certain things. <laughs> hey, there's nothing the Bible says that can ever pry you away from that covenant with Christ. Nothing. Now think about that for just a moment. But one of the things that you'll start to see is integrity. But there's a challenge for us as believers. We each, all of us, we can be stronger in this particular area. You know, in America, we have a multi-billion dollar industry called the self-help industry. They can help you lose weight. They can help you grow hair. They can help you be a better public speaker. I mean, there's multi-billion dollars, billions of dollars. Every year, people pump into these self-help classes. And by the way, the reason it's such a lucrative business is because people keep coming back. People continue to fail to meet the standard that they wanna meet in certain areas of their life. And many times, the self-help industry in America fails because we're only addressing the things that what we call are above surface. And what we know about so many of these areas are there things beneath the surface that are really the foundation for what occurs above the surface. And so when we read these incredible axiomatic wisdom principles, this one, whoever walks in integrity walks secure it, uh, securely, we, I hope, understand that there's a foundation to that that is very, very important and it's very significant, things below the surface. And what I'm going to talk to you today is about this one word that will transform not only your relationship with God, but your relationship with yourself and your relationship with others. And I hope you brought something to write with because I'm just going to toss out three things to you quickly, really quickly, so you better listen quickly. Three things that can be problematic when you and I do not exhibit integrity. Number one, jot it down. Relationships are impossible without integrity. Now, that doesn't mean you can't meet people and you can't be married, but I'm telling you, meaningful relationships, lasting, permanent relationships and relationships that are built the way they need to be. Now, I, I guess before we even get to that, you and I ought to be able to define integrity, shouldn't we? Integrity, by the way, in the Hebrew language here, literally means complete moral innocence. Our dictionary defines it this way, a state of quality, of being complete, undivided soundness, moral soundness, or being upright. Let me give the East Texas vernacular to be real to be genuine, to be authentic. 
Let me tell you even a Bubbaville message of what integrity means. What you say and who you are, those are the same. It's the ability to be able to say my life actions and my words, they tell the same story. You, have you ever heard someone communicate and you say, man, that's coming from their heart? It's this authenticity, it's this genuineness that I want us to talk about. And I'm telling you, without this integrity, your relationships are not gonna be what they need to be. First of all, jot this down. If you have a card, great. If you don't, I wanna deal first of all in these relationships with our relationship with God. You do understand that even though you're saved, there's an ongoing relationship. You talk to him and he talks to you. How does he do that, pastor? I've never heard God speak in this loud voice. What kind of voice does he have? Is it deep? Is it dark? Is it distinct? Hey, hey, hey. God's word so often can be soft, it can be subtle, it can be spoken through the power of his word, it can be spoken to us in our prayer lives. There's a number of ways that God communicates to us and we communicate with him. But we've got to understand something. Our relationship without integrity with God will not be what it needs to be. And we know the simple word for that is what we call double standard. Integrity to God is when we begin trying to conceal certain things. Uh, every time I speak in one of the services in Oakland Heights, I mean, you got to understand, I, I, I grew up here. And it was a much different place in the late 70s and early 80s. The neighborhoods were different around it. Longview was different around it. Everything was different. It's not the same place now. That's not bad. That's not good. It's just not the same. But one thing that is the same is there are still students at Oakland Heights Baptist Church that I... I hope have integrity. That means what we see from them on Sunday is what we get on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and again on the next Sunday. Because if there's students here today and you uh, put your Sunday face on and your youth group face and you function in that realm, wonderful. But then on Friday night, if you have a different group of friends and you're functioning in a, some other different capacity that is contrary to what God's word leads, understand that is opposite of integrity. Integrity is what you say, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you're doing at that particular moment are two different things. One of my favorite guys in this service over here is Coach Hales. I've, I've become a big fan of his. Man, the first thing I do on Friday nights and Tuesday nights is I check that max press to see what the score is. He may be at Texas County. It's been a tough year for them. They, he, I, I know he's disappointed. I know they've wanted uh, to win a lot more games than they've won this year, but there's gonna be other seasons. Maybe God will send him a seven foot, 15 year old guy from Nigeria that can slam a jamma next year. Who knows? Maybe I'll start praying for that. Now, if they get a transfer Nigerian student at seven feet, you really will know the pastor has powerful prayer life, won't you? But you know, I mean, if I go to the game and I sit there behind the bench and I watch him and all I hear him say is expletives and he treats people like filth. Hey, and he doesn't do that. But you, you understand how far that is from integrity. 
Integrity is lining up in sameness, wholeness, everything being in one dimension, in one direction. It's in alignment with one another. I'm a Christian coach. I'm a Christian businessman. I'm a Christian student. I'm a Christian wife. I'm a Christian homemaker. Whatever it is, that means something. And those two have got to be aligned. And you know, as a believer, we begin to understand in this relationship with God that he loves us so much that it hurts him when you and I find ourselves in these situations like a lack of integrity. Those things are detrimental in our lives and our God loves us so much that he prompts us through his word, through a number of different ways to help us understand, hey, I need you, Michael Cook, I need you, and you can put your name there, this is what God tells us, I need you to be a person of truth, a person of integrity. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 145, 18. It's one of my favorites because the psalmist is so human here. He makes a statement, and he comes back and he wants to clarify it for you. He, he, he wants to be sure everything's in focus. Here's what he says in Psalm 145 and 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him. Now listen, and then the psalmist says, but to all who call on him in truth. You see, that's an important piece for us. If you and I are gonna have the dimension with God that we really need to have, we've gotta have integrity. Just be honest with him. You're not going to hide things. Did you get that in the second part of the axiom today in Proverbs 10, 9? Hey, there's a second, there's a positive. If you do this, good things are going to happen. But if you don't, crooked ways, by the way, in the Hebrew, that word crooked in the NIV means perverted. You're going to be going on some perverted paths, some things that are going to be counterproductive. And the writer in Proverbs says, be careful of that. Can I just tell you the most miserable people on the planet I really believe are not the people, people groping around in, in, in darkness. For many years, Christians have said, well, bless their heart. They don't know the Lord, and so they're in a bad place. Hey, that's true. They are in a bad place, but I don't believe they're, they are the darkest, most depressed people. Let me tell you who I think are the most depressed people in our culture, and that's Christians not living like it. A student having to hide what they're doing sexually on Thursday and Friday and Saturdays and then trying to play the game of being a Christian on Sunday. Tune it back up a little bit on Wednesdays. Tune it up a little bit before camp. Hey, I'm telling you, that's a heartbreaking place to be. Well, pastor, are you saying we're not Christians? Hey, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying you're in a place without integrity. Or a businessman that's here today. And again, doing the church thing on the weekend. But during the week, back with the old buddies, doing what the old buddies have always done. Your language is different, what you drink is different, what you watch is different, your jokes are different, all of those things are different. I tell you, that's a miserable place to be. And God says, here, this is all I ask of you. Be in alignment with me. When you fail, Tell me you fail. We call that in the Christian world, real big word, confession. Just repent, confess that. Lord, I did this. 
as if he didn't know. God desires that, that you have a true relationship with him. And let me tell you what we do. We begin to rationalize and deny, well, it's not that bad. We get off on all different kinds of things and social mores. and It's okay. It's not okay. It's okay to look at that. It's okay to drink. No, 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 no. We begin to rationalize and deny all kinds of things. God just says, hey, there's one way to do this. And there's one way to have a great, intimate, connected relationship with me, fruitful. Have integrity with me. And if you don't have integrity with me, this is going to be a challenging ride for you. The other day, I just fell in love all over again with John 4. You remember that's where Jesus finds this Samaritan woman, not just any woman, but a Samaritan lady. Well, her morals and values have not been the best. Had several marriages, living with this man now, and she's at this well. And if you remember when Jesus meets the lady at the well, the reason I just fell in love with that chapter all over again is I just, I just said, Lord, I've taught it so many times. Just take all out, just let me read it fresh. And as I'm reading through, of course, the story hasn't changed, but they're bantering about Samaritans and Jewism. To be a Jew and a Samaritan. Well, why, why is a man, a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman? And we get past that. And then there's a debate about, uh, she says, well, you Jews stole the mountain. In other words, She's bringing up the history of ethnicity between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. We have to get through that. And then they get to the theological issues and she begins to say, well, this is how you worship. And, and, and so finally, Jesus has enough of it. You remember that? And Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. I am the son of God. And let me tell you something. There's coming a day that all men, all people are going to be able to worship in one capacity. They're going to be able to worship in spirit and truth. And then for the first time in my whole life, I read the next few words. And I've taught that passage for 40 years. And God says, you wanted to read this fresh, I want to show you this. Jesus says, there's coming a day that all men, all people are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. And then he says this. And that is who my father is seeking. God is seeking. By the way, that word in the Greek language means to pursue. You know what your God desires? He is pursuing students and men and ladies and couples that have integrity with him, he's seeking those kind of people. And can I just tell you, the relationship's gonna be a struggle when it comes to God. But jot this down, not just the God relationship, but the relationship with you. Yeah, that's right. Your relationship with yourself. You see, so important in the Christian life that you and I have integrity, that we're able to kind of see us better as who we really are, not better than we are, not worse than we are. People in counseling will tell you that's the hardest, it's almost impossible for us to do a, a real accurate evaluation of us. Either we think we're better than we are, we don't think we're as good, or we're too hard on ourselves, or we give ourselves too many passes, but there's a challenge there. 
But for us, in order to be what? Fruitful, we've got to understand that we do have value. There's got to be a sense in us that we understand that, you know what? Our relationship with us has got to be a healthy one. I think about the example of David. One commentator said David was a good man in a bad moment. Another one says, well, he was a great man, but in the wrong place at the wrong time. Let me tell you who David was. He was probably all those things, but he was also an admitted sinner that chose to do the things that he did. Adultery first, murder second, and a whole cross-section of things throughout his life, as all of us have certain transgressions. But when he comes to Psalm 51, that's his confessional. He begins to cry out to God in those first four or five verses there, and he owns his sin. Man, he steps up and says, Lord, in fact, he goes, so he goes all the way back to his mother's womb. He says, here I am from the, my very mother's womb, and he's owning the sin. But when he comes to Psalm 51, five and six, he does something extraordinary. He begins to talk about what that sin does in terms of the innermost heart. And you see, when you and I don't have integrity, then our picture of ourself will be completely out of balance. It'll be out of balance because every one of us in here hates hypocrisy. We don't like it. And let me tell you a more stinging truth. We don't like the hypocrite even when the hypocrite is the person in the mirror. We hate that in ourselves. And so it's easy for us to understand that if you and I don't have integrity, not only is the relationship with God gonna struggle, but the relationship with ourselves is gonna be completely out of whack. But the third relationship's obviously what? The relationship with others. Everyone else goes into that category in our lives. Our spouse, our teammates, our classmates, our coworkers, our neighborhood friends, our alumni association friends. I mean, everybody in our lives else fits in that category with others. And when there's no trust, when you can't trust yourself and God can't trust you, how do you think that's gonna impact any kind of relationship you have outside of that? If we are not honest, then there can be no real relationships with others. And you wanna know what we've done, especially in America, we've taken on two fronts to this challenge. Instead of just coming to the place that we have integrity, being what we say we are and acting as we're supposed to act and, and functioning with, I mean, when we, when we blow it, we just say, hey, I blew it. We just own it. Instead of being authentic, instead of being having integrity in our lives, we do two things. We go to the superficial route. Oh, that's my favorite. And we go the image projection route, the superficial first. Very seldom, when I encounter anyone in a church environment, say, hey, how you doing today? Oh, great, pastor, wonderful, pastor. Uh, it's amazing to me how many people are doing wonderful on Sunday and then how many people have crisis situations Monday through Saturday. But we put on our little happy face and everything is so superficial. I was thinking a moment ago, uh, Ron Smith and some of these guys over here on this side. Um, I, I don't even know what's going on in Ron's life. 
I mean, he knows who I am. I know who he is. I have a great respect for him. He has no respect for me. But anyway, I mean, we have that kind of relationship. But if I sit down with Ron right now and said, hey, hey, Ron, what's going on in your life? Oh, nothing, man. Just calling a few games, working, just, just, you, know, just, just, you know, just doing that superficial. Because I know deep down Ron's got some, some challenges. In his life. I don't know what those are right now. And Ron has no idea what my challenges are. Well, I'm a Baptist pastor. He knows exactly what my challenges are. But you understand the concept, don't you? We all know. And, and that's what's so difficult in a student ministry, in a church, is how do you help people move beyond being courteous and superficial at church and smiling? How are you? We ought to go eat one day. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll call me and you never, I, 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 I have all that. That's superficial. That's about this deep. And that's how we get away with what? The concept of our relationship with others. We don't let anyone get very close. Will there be a man that's here today that's battling pornography? It started out just a few pictures on the commuter and now you're having to hide to try to see the explicit things that you're watching. You're having to make sure that you find those windows of opportunity when no one's around. And you're embarrassed about it, but you don't know what to do about it, but you've told yourself and you told God a million times Hey, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. But you keep walking back. It's a story of the lady, one of the ladies in our church that's been battling alcohol. Man, it's just it's eating her up. We told her two, almost two years ago now, hey, if you don't get this under control, it, it will cost you your health. It will cost you your, 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 your family. It, it will cost, cost you your job. And, and we're about almost three out of three there now. But just getting her to the point where she would ever admit, I've got a problem. She never saw it as a problem. And many people never see the lack of integrity not being a problem. It's no big deal. Let me tell you something. It's a monster of a deal. And that's what I'm praying for is a church that's real. No, we don't run around and say, hey, I'm in the porn. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking in the right place and the right application. You're willing to open up and talk. Pastor, we're having some challenges here. I'm having this kind of challenge. I want you to pray for me. I want you to help me. The Lord's going to help me too, but it's, it's, it's going to take a circle of influence. You see, those things get all out of bounds when there's no integrity, because integri integrity makes you own it. It makes you step up and say, yes, I hate to say this, but I've got a problem. And it breaks my heart and I'm ashamed and I'm guilty. Yes, I told you now, there it is. Integrity. It's hard to get there. It costs you something to get there. And so we're, we just stay superficial. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Good to see you. Thank you for coming. Yeah. I guess we can exist a long time like that. You know, I mentioned to you, the other thing we do is this image projection. It's, it's where people do certain things, acquire certain things, accomplish certain things. And we think that 
when it comes to our relationship with others, that's going to kind of solidify where we'll be. We're really not happy where we are. We're, we're not connected. We're missing something. And so we think, hey, you know, the more we can build around us, the more the student ministry likes me, the more the ladies of the church connect with me, the more the guys welcome me in. It's, it's, it's kind of that feeling when something's dysfunctional. You don't think about integrity being the issue. You think about it being something else. And so that something else is this image projection. And it's acceptance. That's really what it is. It's like, hey, will you like me? Look, I'm on National Honor Society now. I'm making better grades. Will you like me now? It's these kind of moments that we say, look, I've toned up. I've, I, I, I've lost 18 pounds. Will you like me now? I bought these new clothes. Will you like me now? I've, I've got these letters in front of my name now. I've got these letters behind my name now. I've, I've got these people with my promotion reporting to me. Will you like me now? I'm telling you, when there's not integrity, your relationship with God is not going to be what it needs to be. It's going to be a hide-and-seek thing with him. Your relationship with yourself, not good. It won't be what it needs to be. And your relationship with others will be all fouled up. Hit or miss at best. And you and I will stop at some point in our Christian lives being drawn to these people on the surface that everything's always okay. Pretty soon you'll start looking at that with some suspicion, like, is everything really okay? They never have any problems. They never get hurt. They never have any financial problems, marital problems, parent, parental problems, employment problems. They never have any kind of issues at all. Let me tell you something. There's always a problem. This morning I walked through the bathroom I can tell my wife's not happy just by her facial expression. I say, is there a problem? As I'm walking into the utility room, she says, yes, there's a problem. It's you. As I come back in, I say, look, take that the right way, Becky. I just know at Chris is good shepherd today. Somewhere in that hospital, there's a problem. In Oakland Heights Baptist Church this morning, there's going to be a problem. I mean, at every restaurant in town, there'll be people there. There'll be a problem. And she says, that's all you focus on is problems. And I said, well, that's part of my job. That's really what people bring to me. I deal with problems all the time. But you know, you got to understand something. In each one of our hearts, every one of us, even this morning, we've got our challenges. If you're here this morning and you're not willing to say, hey, I don't have any problems or challenges in my life, you know what I say to that in the, in the Hebrew language? Bullcorn. That's not true. We all have challenges. Are you drawn to those kind of people or are you drawn to people that are authentic? Real deal. Transparent. Hey, they're not where they need to be, but they're trying to make progress. Man, that's what I yearn. That's refreshing to me to encounter men around me that say, hey, man, we're struggling with that too. To have ladies say, you know what? That's an issue for me too. Boy, that's where some good things begin to happen. Now, you're not listening fast enough. We dealt with the first thing. It's impossible. Did you get it? To have the relationships without integrity. Second thing, jot it down. It's also peace. To have peace 
it is impossible to have peace without integrity. That really goes, really, you know, we, we shouldn't even have to say that, should we? We know the Bible tells us in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule. By the way, that word rule means to be an arbitrator. It's your filter. You're filtering everything with the essence of that, hey, God has a purpose and there's a peace about that. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since the members of one body, you were called to peace. And he says, and be thankful about that. You see, we live in a time when we cover everything with noise and activity. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, don't, how do you like living in the country? I said, I love it. I said, one of the downsides is you don't have any street lights. Man, when the lights go out and it gets dark out there, dude, it's dark. If there's not much moon, it's dark. And if no cars are coming by, it's eerie. You walk out in the middle of that pasture at night, a few coyotes may be howling, but there's certain nights you don't hear anything. It is almost deafening that it's quiet. But you know, most people don't live like that in their lives. In fact, we make sure as soon as we come in, we've got the earbuds on or we turn the television on. We have hobbies, we have interests, we have activities. And I just wonder, just wondering as a pastor, if that's not drowning out about 99% of what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our heart. I wonder if there's a lot more people in our culture that don't have really a weight problem, but they have a peace problem. I wonder around us in culture if a, a lot of people are not so much workaholics, but they are lacking in peace in their life. I wonder if there are people around me that I watch and witness that are addicted to adrenaline and the kill and the business adventure and all those things. If, if, if really that is a peace issue, they're just so driven because they're upset. Integrity causes us to be out of union with God and there's something restless in us and we're searching, we're building, we gotta do something. We, it, 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 and finally just say, hey, I'm exhausted. How many marriages is enough? How many lovers is enough? How much money is enough? I mean, at some point, the Bible says that God has created you with a purpose and a plan and he wants you to be able to take a deep breath and just have a peace about what's going on in your life. And as I look at people out every day, most people aren't very peaceful. I wonder if that's why Paul says, man, when you get to that place, when the body of Christ around you gets to that place, you be thankful. And we'll never get there without integrity. So relationships those are gonna be pretty much unmanageable, impossible without integrity. Peace is gonna be impossible without that. And then jot this down, number three, impact. Impact is going to be impossible without integrity. And as you'll find out in just a moment, that's probably one of my greatest heartbreaks. We know that God has put us for a purpose the Old Testament's filled with more examples, but you get over to Jeremiah 29 and we, we, we find out very quickly that what? God has a purpose and a plan for every life. We could start over here in this corner and call one name at a time. There won't be a one of you in here that God has not created you with a purpose and a plan for your life. Not one of you. Every one of you, God has something for you to accomplish, a place for you to be. And it's not an arbitrary, random, lottery kind of place. God is... 
has positioned you perfectly for what he wants you to, and he desires, let me tell you, in whatever realm you're in, to rub up against, to come in contact with, to have a relationship with people that are around you, and, and through that, you're gonna be able to make a difference. Jesus talked more specifically when he said, you're the salt, you're the light, you're the disciples, you're disciplers. And, and he began to deal with that whole people, place, relationship kind of thing over and over again. I want you to do this before we close our message this morning. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 25 and I want you to look at this with your own eyes. This is the last thing we'll talk about. Proverbs chapter 25, and I want you to scroll down to the verse that says 26. It's the words next to Proverbs 25, and then that number 26. And I want you to look at this verse with me. Like a muddied, by the way, some of you, if you didn't bring it in IV today, you probably have this translation, like a trampled. Like a muddied or trampled spring, or a polluted well are the righteous who go and give way to the wicked. Now, I just want you to think about this for just, just a moment with me. There are two word pictures here. Please stay with me. There is this flowing stream, and then we kind of think it in our culture as what? Maybe a wooden box around a big hole in the ground that's real deep. Maybe it has a bucket on it. Or maybe in a more contemporary uh, kind of setting, it's got, a mech, you know, it's, it's got a motor on top of it. It's a well. Somebody lives out in the country somewhere. Can't get city water. And you know, on the surface, both of these have one thing in common. They both, what? Have living water in them a flowing stream. But you know, it's interesting, this word muddied or trampled, because this comes out of what? Early, this is Old Testament. We're talking about hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus ever came and set foot on planet earth. And here is a, this is wisdom literature. And so the writer is reminding us in that day and time, they would take the livestock up. And if you didn't really care about the people or you're out in the middle of nowhere, you just kind of pull the animals down in the stream, just downstream of where you are and let them wander around in there. And you know what animals do, they drink and they defecate. That's the easiest word students I can come up with for on a Sunday morning to say they did number one and number two in the water. And then the damage wasn't done. Then they would start trampling out of the water. And so everybody downstream got to drink camel poo-poo, camel tea-tea. Hey, I could be a great preschool teacher, couldn't I? And all this mud and debris. And so we have that picture. And then we have the picture of the well. And here's a whale, and it's got this bucket, it's got this little winchy thing on it, and, and everybody from our surrounding area would have to come because they were coming there for a drink of the living water. But they got there only to find out that the city had been burned, and what happened historically so often, they didn't just burn the cities, but they threw some of those foulest stuff down that well. And this time, most of the time, it was something dead, and it wasn't animals defecating, but humans defecating in the well. And so when the bucket came up, it was a putrid smell and a putrid sight. 
And I share that with you because uh, when you and I don't have integrity, when we start to look like the world and not like the Lord Jesus is crafting us to be, then we start to lose the opportunity to have impact. The other day, someone sat down across a table from me that I haven't seen in years. And we began talking about high school days, college days. And the individual asked me, they said, Michael, as you look back over your life, is there any time or any place in your life? Well, and he stopped and he said, let me ask this this way. What do you most regret in your life? And he said, not like one single act, but like what period of time or what, what would you go back and change if you could? And I said, man, that is so very easy for me. If I could, I would go back and change year 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Because it was in those years that I look back and God had given me quarterback of a 5A team, had given me media opportunities, gave me a platform. I mean, I could have, looking back, been a church rat, but I look back and my life lacked so much integrity that even with fellowship of Christian athletes and all those things, I was, had so much stuff in my life. I just wonder, Pastor Kevin and I graduated together and the other day we, he said, hey, did you see where so-and-so died? You know, Bill, you know, Bill died. Kevin looks at the obituaries every day. I don't ever look at him. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I mean, they usually call me when we do a funeral somewhere, but I mean, he's always read. That's the first thing he reads, obituaries. I think to see if he was in there or not. But, you know, a, a, a lot of those guys are gone, man. And if I had tried to win them to Christ or, sh- or point them in the right direction, I, I, at, from about 15 to 20, I forfeited that. I'm so thankful that I've got former athletes over here. I'm so thankful that I was in a little different place in my 20s and 30s and 40s. I hope I had enough integrity during that stretch to say, hey, I know you're struggling or something I want to talk to you about. It's made a difference in my life. It's made a difference for Amber. It's made a difference for Becky. And I hope at that point, maybe from about 22 or 23 right in there to where I am now, even though, man, I've made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, I wish I could go back. I I, I just hope that block of time that God has given me the opportunity to have a greater impact for him, to rub up against people, Just like yesterday when the phone rang and one of our church members says, please call back, hurry. They left a message, hurry, hurry. My neighbor has had a death. They just took the body off and this lady, my neighbor, has no pastor to help her. No pastor to help her. She doesn't know what to do. Pastor Mike, can you call back? Please hurry. 
you know, God's going to give you and he's going to give me the opportunity to rub up against people. Maybe in a huddle, maybe in a classroom, maybe in a parking lot, maybe in a cell barn. Maybe on the lake. But he's going to give us that opportunity. And do you understand that if you do not have integrity, again, integrity where everything lines up, what you say and what you do, you're going to forfeit your right. You're going to forfeit your right to have the impact that you need to have. And so listen to a guy that has been down that trail before. Learn from God's word to be the people that we need to be in Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, my heart breaks this morning for those that may be here and that are able to say right now, golly, man, woo. The sting of this moment in my heart, I just hope no one can tell. And Father, I just pray that eventually you and your relationship with the person with that feeling and eventually in our church we'll get to the place where there'll be no shame in someone coming and say I need help there'll be no shame in a group of young adults pulling their chairs in a circle and saying wow man we guys we are having a tough time I know we got the lesson to talk about but man we were fouled up <laughs> and we don't know where to go we're on a Wednesday night, a basketball is put down and someone sits down in a chair next to someone else and says, man, I, I just want you to know I have so messed up my life. And I, I can't, I don't feel like I can tell my mom. I don't, I don't know who else to talk to. Father, I just pray that we are a church, that we're becoming a church of believers that have openness, respect for one another authenticity and genuineness and father it just comes down to just integrity just being real and so father as we think about our love for you and our passion for you our love for our families those around us the others and when it comes just on us dealing with ourselves father there's so much work that you're doing and you're anchored there with your Holy Spirit in our lives, but we've drowned you out. We've pushed you away. We've rationalized sin and junk in our lives that, well, the Bible doesn't say exactly not to do that. And, and Father, what we're gonna do is we're gonna fool around and lose the opportunity. We're gonna lose a segment of time that's gonna have an impact on others' eternity. So Father, we hear your word today when we hear that the paths are going to be straight and paths will be perfect when we have the integrity in you, but they'll be perverted when we go the other way. So Father, now just take these words, take your scripture, and would you just uh, do a great work in us? And these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.